Welcome to the Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 16 years. Here's your host, Luke McCormack. Good afternoon and welcome to this month's show. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will discuss progress being made in secure cloud computing in the federal government. With me on today's show are Dave Peters, Associate CIO, Digital Infrastructure Services Center, USDA, Brian Merrick, Director of Cloud Programs, Department of State, Brian Codenrad, Acting Director of FedRAMP and the Secure Cloud Portfolio Technology Transformation Services at GSA, Ryan O'Connell, Principal Security Architect at Snowflake, Matt Chioti, Chief Security Officer, Public Cloud Palo Alto Networks, and Brian Dax, Senior Manager of Solutions Engineering at Okta. Well, we're talking about Secure Cloud and we've been talking about Cloud Smart for, well, well over, uh, I don't know, three or four years now, we've got a billion dollars in the TMF. And if last year didn't teach us anything, it certainly taught us that uh, having a, a modern technology environment is extremely important. Dave Peters, let's start with you over at USDA. Give us a little state of the state as to what's happening over at USDA these days. Sure, thanks Luke uh, and good afternoon. And thank you for the opportunity to, to join this forum today. Um, at USDA, we've really evolved uh, our perspective on cloud from being an emerging technology to really a business tool. We've evolved from that, or we've advanced from that, an introductory phase, more to a growth phase. And as an indicator of that, really the mission areas, the programs are making the decision, what project should go to cloud? What are the priorities of going to cloud? Uh, at my office within infrastructure at the CIO, we enable them. We help them buy, we help them implement, we help them manage. Um, but but they're business just business decisions, and that's really an indicator of the maturation of, of cloud and evolving from an emerging technology to really a strong enabling business tool. At USDA, we expect cloud to grow 20 to 25 percent this year as a as a result. Wow, and uh, you know, USDA, massive organization, and I really do appreciate and, and thank you for all the work that you're doing for the farmers, the citizens, et cetera, and a very much an early adopter of cloud technology early on. And I think an earlier adopter of using the TMF funds, if I remember right. Yeah. Brian Merrick, uh, tell us what's happening with cloud adoption and cloud security over at Department of State. Well, good day, Luke. Thanks for the opportunity to discuss this topic. Uh, yeah, as you can imagine, it's, uh, it's a challenging environment with over 100,000 users and 275 posts around the world, including 50 different locations around the US. So we have a, a large degree of disparate business needs. And, and in a similar vein, uh, you know, we've really found that our business units have been propelling uh, modernization of the cloud. And really by letting them focus on those key priority areas, we're able to ensure a much better uh, mission alignment uh, between IT and the business. What we've decided to do is use a shared support model. And that's kind of the secret sauce in terms of how we've been able to propel uh, so much cloud adoption at state in the last couple of years. So by that, uh, what we're doing is providing centrally uh, provisioned enterprise cloud service platforms that still allow our business customers to manage their unique business needs on those platforms. So that gives them access to enterprise license agreements, um, consistent security uh, configurations uh, and compliance requirements, uh, and also allows them to take the weight off sort of the infrastructure uh, knowledge requirements and let them get to work quickly. Um, so as we do that, you can imagine this is growing uh, rather exponentially. One of our cloud platforms grew with 40 business customers just this last year. And so we're really doing a renewed focus on governance and security as we grow this environment in different states of maturation. Uh, we're also really focusing on agile and really trying to spread agile concepts throughout the department uh, so that we can get to better enterprise grade uh, modern solutions for our business customers and really propel that movement in the cloud and making it meaningful. Uh, and so we're really looking forward to a lot more activity in that space this year. Yeah, I would imagine that once you have a, a good, solid, reliable, hardened environment, that DevSecOps play that you're you're into becomes a, a lot easier for your customers, so to speak, to uh, to adopt that capability and implement those those solutions to your uh, your business customers, which, quite frankly, as you noted, are all around the world. Brian Conrad. Uh, Tell us what's happening at FedRAMP. You all have been on quite a journey and quite a tear over the last few years. And uh, again, applaud everything that you're doing over there because uh, now more than ever, uh, so many products and goods and services are trying to get adopted into the cloud. Give us an update as to what's happening. 
Day Luke, thanks for having me. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, we've seen an incredible increase in the adoption of FedRAMP, which is marked by both an increase in agency participation and reuse of authorizations. So FedRAMP completed 64 authorizations in FY20, which is 40% more than we completed in FY29. Uh, additionally, the push to the cloud to ac accommodate a remote workforce uh, you know, agencies increased their reuse of FedRAMP and cloud products by 55% within the same time period. Um, we've been uh, on a push to update our existing templates and guidance. Um, we're also pushing automation efforts as well. This is something that we've uh, that we've heard from our stakeholder community that is incredibly important. We're working very closely with NIST on the development of OSCAL, um, which is the which will end up being a way for security artifacts to be automated. Mm. Um, we're also working on a, uh, a threat-based approach, working with uh, DHS and other agency teams to apply a threat-based metho methodology uh, to the FedRAMP control baseline to understand which controls protect, detect, and respond to real-world threats. We've, yeah. also up we've also updated our uh, FedRAMP.gov website. Um, which is um, which has been really important. It really uh, creates an ease of use for our stakeholders coming in, looking for those you know those cloud service providers who are looking to get authorized and those who are uh, you know presently in our catalog. Uh, right, and I would imagine that uh, you know trying to enter into that environment could be daunting for a uh, you know a product vendor that that's just entering into that market, so to speak. So happy to hear about all the automation. I imagine that will will make the uh, the cycle time uh, uh, much uh, much shorter and and perhaps even less expensive once you start to get into a fully automated environment. So I'm sure the community is very happy to hear about that. Ryan, tell us what is happening over at Snowflake, big part of this whole uh, conglomerate of a uh, cloud ecosystem. Yeah, thank you so much, Luke, for having me. Appreciate it. Um, and I love to hear the others that have talked talking about cloud adoption, right? Because that that certainly nests nicely in with what uh, what Snowflake is is aiming for and achieving from from having customers adopt us from a cloud perspective. Um, I think really that the progress that's being made from a cloud computing perspective, and as more and more agencies adopt cloud computing, right, is is really the Snowflake data cloud. Um, I think when we talk about some of the hurdles around secure data sharing and the implications of getting the right information to the right folks at the right time to achieve the mission, this is where that data cloud is really unlocking barriers for customers. And then along with other things like data governance, right? Uh, a large effort uh, from a Snowflake perspective uh, for customers to have the right tools in place to secure their, their, their critical data. And, and I, I think it goes a step beyond that is, you know, the, the data cloud must happen, right, to, pro, to proliferate secure data sharing uh, in a variety of different architectures we can talk about later. But, you know, or if, if that's not achieved, then the promise of things like data science, those types of workloads will remain unfulfilled, right? So uh, I think it's, it's a conversation we certainly have on a daily basis um, and trying to break down those siloed analytics world, right? Kind of the status quo of, of running reports, populating dashboards, et cetera. Now we're looking at transitioning that from a, you know, customers that are adopting Snowflake, right? Into actual data informing people um, and, and, and relationships, right? Building upon those relationships from a, from a, data, from a data cloud perspective. Right. I mean, you know, you, you, you're, you're talking, having a conversation about this extraction, uh, if you will, and, and, and looking at uh, up the value chain. And it didn't go unnoticed, by the way, that uh, both these massive departments uh, talked about what their customers are asking for. It wasn't a build it and we will, they will come type situation. So uh, the, the pendulum is, is moving uh, considerably, I would imagine. Uh, Matt, how about over at Palo Alto Networks? Uh, give us a state of the state as to what's happening. Well, we've uh, we've definitely worked with a lot of agencies over the past year. Um, you know, one of the teams that I have the privilege to lead here at Palo Alto Networks is our Unit 42 uh, Cloud Threat Intelligence Team. And one of the things we looked at in a recent report was just how much cloud usage has changed amongst amongst agencies pre and post COVID-19 discovery. And what we found is about that, that level went up by about 83% cloud usage. So we've seen a massive spike in cloud usage. And you know the other part of that, I guess, is while cloud usage has spiked within agencies, we actually saw their cloud security incidents grow much faster. That was up about 205%. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, some massive spikes in cloud usage, but more concerning, obviously, is cloud security incidents. So one of the things that we've been able to help uh, several agencies do is to really put in place with our Prisma Cloud platform a, uh, a single comprehensive platform that gives agencies coverage across both the cloud infrastructure as well as cloud native security. And you know, we do that by helping generalists to manage security across all of their cloud environments instead of having to learn all the nuances of the different cloud security platforms. Yeah, and I think what's really important too is is what, what uh, the uh, the uh, the the definition of a cloud is starting to evolve, right? This is either hybrid, on-prem, hybrid, or pure cloud, and that that that's getting blurry. And uh, I think it's very important to understand that a lot of new technologies out there now that allow that capability to happen, including at Okta, I would imagine, Brian, that uh, identity management big part of the cloud solution. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Luke. Um, yeah, to echo a little bit of what Matthew and uh, Ryan were mentioning, you know, just over this past year, we've seen, you know, a lot of the federal customers making a lot more use of the cloud, you know, shifting workloads, and really rapidly, you know, standing up applications uh, for for efforts, uh, you know, around like COVID response and, and things like that, and as well as um, supporting the uh, you know their their employees and and customers having to now work from home uh, you know really what we're we're looking at is is at Okta is trying to enable our customers to be able to move quicker uh, by giving them this this centralized identity and access management you know cloud or, or platform uh, to achieve the mission you know that 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 agency is really trying to and and uh, entrusted to to achieve. Uh, you know, what we give our customers really is that speed and agility so they don't have to, you know, compromise on security and they don't have to kind of drag this, uh, for lack of a better term, kind of a bone acre around with them uh, from a legacy standpoint. Uh, you know, we're adopting, you know, the, the latest kind of modern authentication methods and security so that, you know, as our customers need to move, uh, you know, their applications and their workloads there, they can take advantage of that platform and, and both, you know, move quick uh, and be secure, and at the same time, really improve uh, the experience of the citizen or their, their end customers. Which is what it's all about at the end of the day, and that identity uh, aspect of this, so very important to be able to, uh, to account for that, to be able to rely on that, depend on that, as these, these environments are uh, ever evolving, let's say. Brian Conrad, uh, let's talk about a specific program. You top line several different things that are going on over there. Give us a, an example of a specific program that you'd like to highlight uh, for the listening audience. Sure. So actually, we have we have two that are in front of us right now. We have the, the transition to NIST 853 Rev5. Uh, that's an ongoing effort. And, and we get questions in the PMO about that, you know, weekly from our from our stakeholder environment where, you know, where are we on that? How are we making progress? Uh, we're, we're progressing along. Um, as I mentioned, we're using that threat-based uh, approach to look at the additional controls on top of the NIST provided baselines to see, you know, where where the value is uh, for, you know, the the protect, detect, and defend. Uh, with regards to additional controls that are built onto the baseline. Uh, we're really excited about that. Um, we're really excited about the automation efforts too. Um, there is a lot of, uh, a lot of interest in, the, in our stakeholder community. Um, we have uh, our cloud partners lining up to you know, participate in pilot programs uh, regarding OSCAL. Uh, we look at it as a, uh, as, is a is a true value add to the program, not just to, uh, you know, the professionals inside the PMO who are you know doing manual processes, but to our stakeholders as well. Uh, one of the big things that we're excited about it is the uh, is the automatic validation. Um, one of the things that we see from cloud service providers is. Um, packages that are that are missing some things and those are going going through a manual review if we mm -hmm. can get an automated uh automated check on that before they come into the pmo we can we can work on increasing the velocity of our of our authorization actions and and that's a win for the government and our cloud service providers absolutely i'm sure every product uh 
uh, a company would love to uh, shrink that time uh, down. And certainly the, uh, all the agencies would love to get those products on board sooner rather than later. The Rev5, what does that get for the community? If you could just in layman's terms, once you've completed that, what, what, what's, uh, what's the capability that's available then? So we're looking at the uh, at the control catalog that NIST provided with uh, NIST 853 and comparing it to uh, the Rev4 version. Mm -hmm. um, there are additional families of controls that that NIST have added. So there'll be additional aspects uh, such as privacy and supply chain risk management that are included in that. Um, we're, we're basically mirroring or copying the process that we use to go from Rev3 to Rev4. Uh, mm -hmm. When we go from Rev4 to Rev5, um, we're involved with the uh, joint authorization board. So uh, the, the CIOs of GSA, DHS, and DOD will have a look at the at the proposed baselines. And also, you know, before it published, before we publish it, it's going to go out for public comment because again, uh, we're interested in getting the feedback of our stakeholder community. They our stakeholders are an, are an important part of our ecosystem and and having their feedback on on you know, what's happening with the FedRAMP baselines is incredibly important. Um, also, the, the transition timeline we're working on, we understand that uh, that's not an easy lift for cloud service providers to to go from a Rev4 mm -hmm. to a Rev5 baseline. So we're taking that into account too when we, when we, uh, when we start our planning or when we, in our planning. That secure uh, supply chain piece of it, very important for the ecosystem, no doubt, especially now. Uh, Matt, how about over at Palo Alto Networks? Can you give us an example of a program that you've been working on in one of the federal agencies that you'd like to highlight? Sure. Yeah, I mean, we've worked with we've worked with many, but I, I'd call out. Uh, I can't give the specific names of all of them, obviously, for for security Understand. reasons. But mm -hmm. but you know, one that's public is you know we've worked with uh, DISA, so we've collaborated very closely with DISA on the DSOP Platform One Air Force program on helping them to create stigs around scanning container images. So people might be familiar with Docker, Kubernetes, those types of things. Uh, well, all of the container images in Iron Bank are actually scanned by Prisma Cloud, by the Prisma Cloud platform. So that's one way on, on the DOD side. Now on the civilian side, uh, we've helped uh, you know, a, one specific agency address their multi-cloud compliance and visibility challenges for AWS and Azure. Uh, you know, we helped this specific agency to migrate over 700 workloads into the cloud. And now that number is close to 2000. So we helped them with our Prisma Cloud platform to be able to do this with confidence without having to be specialists in each cloud. So those are those are two that I would that I would highlight. But you know, you know, I, I really appreciate some of the comments that uh, Brian Con Conrad made around FedRAMP. Uh, we see our our friends in GSA as great partners. Our Prisma Cloud platform is now FedRAMP moderate, so we mm. achieved that just the beginning of the year, and we are already in the process of working towards high and then IL four for our partners within DoD. So it's a great process, and I really think it was something from our perspective that actually helped us get a lot more maturity uh, into the actual Prisma Cloud platform itself. Fantastic, I love to hear that. And I, that you mentioned containerization and you know you hear that when these agencies are trying to go into a multi-cloud environment or in these hybrid environments, that containerization technology and the security around that becomes such an important part of uh, realizing that capability and making it available. So happy to hear that's being implemented and that you're helping to secure that. All right, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on the Federal News Network. According to the latest cloud threat research from Palo Alto Networks, government cloud workloads grew by over 83% during the pandemic. This growth has accelerated AWS and Azure adoption, and federal agencies are challenged by a lack of visibility to cloud resources, cybersecurity compliance, and a federal IT talent shortage. Join us as Matt Chiodi from Prisma Cloud by Palo Alto Networks talks to federal leaders about best practices to accelerate application modernization and secure cloud resources. Snowflake is the FedRAMP-approved data cloud. Federal agencies require agility and the ability to securely share data within and among organizations and across multiple clouds. 
With Snowflake, agencies can focus on putting data to use with unlimited scale and speed on the centralized data platform that satisfies the strictest compliance and security requirements. Start your journey toward data-driven decision-making at snowflake.com government. That's snowflake.com government. Okta, helping protect your agency's remote workforce and ensuring government employees, contractors, and partners have simple and secure access to mission-critical applications from any device at any time. Okta allows you to create granular access policies based on user, device, network, and location context, as well as implement strong multi-factor authentication across all apps and VPNs. Learn more at okta.com government. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We're talking about secure cloud computing, and we were just getting into specific examples. I wanted to uh, toss it over to Brian Merrick at Department of State. Uh, give us an example. You top-lined a lot of stuff that you all are doing over there. Can you give us one example that you'd like to highlight? Sure. So, you know, we've been doing some pretty interesting work based on complex mission needs. You know, one of the projects we've been working with one of our key partners on is around solving a lot of the refugee data processing problems around the world. Uh, and so we actually are, are working with them on a really incredible hybrid project uh, where they have folks in the field that are processing that refugee data uh, outside of internet range uh, and then uploading that data uh, once they hit connectivity that comes back to one of our SaaS platforms and then moving that data back out again to different on-prem environments uh, for storage and further sharing and also other IS environments for analytics purposes. Uh, with a great security wrap around that. And, you know, as we, we heard earlier, uh, really that, that single identity solution is critical because uh, identity is now the, the new perimeter, if you will, in the cloud, especially when we're managing hybrid environments. And in this example, uh, for the most part, the uh, on-prem environment is the one that lacks permanence. It's the cloud that's really getting the focus in a lot of this effort uh, because of the, the speed of delivery and the ease of sharing of that data as well. So really excited about that. And I think we're going to see a lot more hybrid efforts and the things that, that are also working behind the background to fuel that, as we've heard from other panelists, automation is key. And so we're able to scale these efforts by leveraging automation. Uh, we've improved a lot of our deployment processes, uh, you know, moving, as I said, towards our DevSecOps model, where now we're uh, deploying code on daily release schedules uh, for some of our platforms. So really making a lot of progress and there's still a lot of work to do. Uh, I think one of the other key things we, we focused on behind the scenes that's, that's fueling all of this is improving, uh, breaking down those data silos that existed across different stakeholder groups. We've done a lot of partnering with our CDO shop and really the, the experiences we got out of the, uh, the COVID uh, response, we really were able to showcase how cloud can securely make data a, a force multiplier in the decision support process uh, and also in moving critical uh, information requirements quickly. And so with that, we're partnering with our security colleagues uh, and many of our other key data owners uh, so that we can securely manage uh, APIs better uh, so we can do a lot more data sharing and uh, basically centralize uh, those data stores in single locations that can be shared to multiple locations. Uh, from that. So that's something we're really excited about. A lot of work to be done in that, but we've, we've definitely started that process. What a fantastic use case and so important, especially right now and a good example of how you can implement something very quickly and uh, uh, do it securely and uh, unlock all this capability, uh, which I'm sure is music to Ryan's ear. So Ryan, give us an example. That one was a fantastic use case. Give us another example of where Snowflake is uh, you know, uh, unlocking these capabilities uh, in a secure cloud environment. Yeah, right on. Thanks, Luke. Um, and and I appreciate the tee up there, Brian Merrick. This is uh, this is fortuitous. Um, I think in a couple of areas, and I, I think what I'd like to highlight is also, I think an end goal for all of us uh, is is not only our federal partners, but then how do our federal partners securely share information with you know the citizenry, right? So that they Bingo. can go. Yeah, as, as well informed as possible. So I'm seeing some very interesting use cases uh, from a federal perspective uh, in the healthcare and law enforcement areas. Um, and, and much like uh, Matt alluded to, can't get into some of the specifics, but the specifics I can get into started back, you know, last year with the state of California and COVID-19, right? 
um, went about rapidly deploying Snowflake um, and visualization tools on top of that for all 58 counties in the state of California. I, I'm not a native Californian, so I didn't know how many counties there were, but in case you're wondering, that's how many there are. Okay. Um, and so what's interesting is, is now they were able to plat, you know, store a multitude of data sources on a single platform, um, including things like you know, the current number of COVID-19 cases across the state, number of suspected cases, um, how many are receiving treatment in a hospital ICU, number of hospital beds and ventilators in use, uh, as well as demographics of COVID-19 patients. And they're able to do that securely. And I think that's an interesting nuance here when we talk about security uh, and folks like the, my Okta colleagues and, and, and Palo Alto Networks co colleagues can, can attest to is that you know, there's, there's inherent security risk in sharing data um, when you're moving things around, moving flat files around, you know, yet alone, you know, getting into things like single source of data and single source of truth. Um, but moving moving files is inherently risky. Uh, the maintenance of API security also, uh, but being able to store a single secure copy of data and have folks share that uh, without moving the data is is something uniquely uh, that you know something unique that Snowflake brings to bear that I think is helping. Uh, break down also some of those silos when we talk about data sharing, uh, especially as it pertains to our federal uh, customers. And really raising the confidence of the data owners to share the data, if you will, right? Because they know it's uh, the, the confidence is there because the security is there to allow that to happen. And all of a sudden these things start to fuse together. Dave, I remember uh, way back in, you all started out with farmers.gov, early adopter of uh, that capability. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, using the TMF funds, I believe for some of that and uh, have rolled out a plethora of capability there to your uh, to the citizenry, the, the farmers, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, give us an example of a program that you'd like to highlight for us. Thanks, Luke. We've had many high-profile IT modernization efforts, uh, many of which have leveraged cloud at its core uh, to enable differentiating uh, enhancements. Um, for instance, Ask USDA leveraged a, a cloud-based CRM to aggregate data and input across many programs, mission areas, and geographies to accelerate issue identification, trend identification, and then act on them. Uh, another example was our high-profile CDO dashboards. Those leverage cloud-based data analytics, data visualization tools, and again, a uh, different model, more internally focused, but accelerated decision-making, trend identification, um, and better, better business decisions. Finally, you mentioned uh, farmers.gov. And yes, that did begin several years ago. Uh, the cloud architecture at its core, the SaaS platform, enabled modular year after year improvements for the benefits of the, the agricultural stakeholders and the better execution of the agricultural supply chain. The cloud approach, the cloud architecture enabled this to be done without any disruption to the platform and continued year after year improvement uh, because of that cloud-based SaaS approach. And scaling uh, on the usage of it, that's a fantastic yep. use resource, a very uh, uh, comprehensive uh, set of use stories there. So thank you very much. Brian, how about at Okta? Can you give us an example of a, a specific program that you'd like to highlight uh, that's allowing this cloud, uh, secure cloud adoption to happen? Yeah, sure. As uh, you know, Ryan and, and Matt kind of alluded to, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to name specific uh, customers for, for, uh, you know, respecting their, uh, their privacy around their security. Uh, but really, you know, the the things kind of there was a general theme that uh, you know we we saw at Okta as as folks shifted and you know through the COVID responses and really shifted to that remote uh, remote uh, work uh, model. Um, there was a lot of both government and private organizations that really had to accelerate changes in their IT infrastructure to really support those scenarios. And, uh, you know, Okta had a, a bunch of customers that, that really had to accelerate changes that, that they had planned that were going to take, you know, months, you know, at best to happen over a weekend. I mean, that, that was a type of like nimbleness that we saw in, in folks being able to use the, the cloud and, and to really be able to transform their, their IT infrastructure and their business kind of, you know, within, within days of, of having to send everybody home. So, I mean, I think those are like some critical, you know, kind of things that the cloud enabled uh, 
you know, our customers, both on the government and, and the private sector side to, to be able to achieve. Uh, the other, the other thing is, you know, we had several agencies, um, you know, some on the DOD side and, and some on the, you know, kind of the homeland side uh, that, that stood up both um, portals or information sharing portals uh, to be able to work with local agencies and, and state agencies in, in collecting data around, uh, you know, COVID response or, or, you know, everything from like hospital bed availability. And, you know, Octa was critical in that, those areas and being able to determine, you know, and who has access to what, right? To ensure that the right people had access at the right times to that information, uh, as well as, you know, they, they designed mobile apps to be able to give to folks that were in the responding, you know, um, units that went into certain areas uh, so that they could both track kind of what they were seeing, but also be able to track, uh, you know, their own kind of state, right? Were they experiencing, uh, you know, COVID symptoms, things like that. And so when you're starting to deal with information about healthcare and, and sharing that information and collecting that information, it's, it's critical that you have good security around that and that you have a good, strong authentication boundary so that, uh, you know, folks aren't able to just share, you know, see stuff that they shouldn't be able to see and, and really be able to protect the, the citizens' data that we're collecting and, and, and whatnot. So SaaS was a, was a critical part of those things. And I think really it showed the power of, of cloud computing and, and really it should be, you know, it's a great story for all the cloud vendors that were involved in those, those solutions. Sure, the entire ecosystem uh, able to come together and enable uh, this capability, one, very rapidly, two, extremely sensitive information that had to be uh, shared, right? And uh, that's not a simple thing to do unless you can think carefully about it. We're going to uh, switch over to priorities. I'm going to ask Brian Merrick over at Department of State. Uh, you all have a lot of things going on over there. You got a new sheriff in town. I understand my former colleague, Keith Jones. And I know you all are up to a lot of things. Give us your top two or three priorities for this year that you're trying to tackle. Sure. So, so sort of uh, as I alluded to before, uh, governance and security, huge. So really trying to get a, a good handle as we're maturing in the cloud environment in terms of how we're going to up our game from the security perspective and how we're going to properly govern those decisions on which technologies we use and how we implement them uh, most effectively across the enterprise. Uh, so a lot of work going on in that space. We're looking to streamline the governance process, fully automate it. We've already begun work on that. And there's more work to be done. Uh, you know, as you can imagine, going across that, that multi-layered enterprise, um, there are a lot of nooks and crannies that we're working through so we can improve that process. And then on the security side, continuing rolling out uh, single identity. Um, that's really been groundbreaking for us, uh, being able to then manage internal and external users' access to our data. Uh, we definitely want to explore making that capability a lot more robust and get more granular uh, about the uh, different control settings that we can put in place to, to secure our data and manage our risk better. Uh, and certainly a lot of work going on in the monitoring space, um, data aggregation analytics space around that, uh, really moving that, that DevSecOps principle together on the SEC side, uh, something we're, we're focused on. And then I think the other second uh, major priority really uh, from Keith especially, and I think we all echo that, is the need to truly move into DevSecOps. It is a cultural shift. Uh, you know, it's gonna be a, a challenge. And like I say, I mean, I, the, the department has moved in that direction in different degrees of maturity. And we're seeing the programmatic side move much more rapidly because of the pace of change the business dictates. And so, you know, certainly we wanna support that and we wanna encourage that and we wanna speed that up. So some of the things we're looking at is really creating a robust, um, you know, agile coaching and training capability um, that we can spread. Uh, we're also doing a lot of outreach across the enterprise so that we can, you know, really showcase use cases that uh, are, are using this to full advantage and also really looking to, once again, use automation uh, to modernize our tools. You know, obviously, single pane of glass is not really what we're looking for. I mean, that's that's a bit challenging, honestly, across the disparate cloud environments. We are truly multi-cloud. Um, there are things that work best, uh, you know, especially around orchestration uh, for native tools. but. What we're really looking to do is, is modernize and automate our testing, our CICD processes at the enterprise level as offerings, and also the tools that practitioners use to actually manage their agile efforts uh, and manage it differently. And so, you know, that culture change has begun. 
a lot of work to do. Um, one of the things we're, we're really going to focus on this year uh, as well with that is trying to bring that agile culture change to the field. Uh, and so we have a project that we're going to be kicking off in a, in a couple months here to actually go into a post and soup to nuts, uh, you know, look at what we can do to build apps with them, uh, to put them in a cloud environment and modernize them and get them onto that DevSecOps footing so that it's sustainable in a partnership. Once again, that shared responsibility model, uh, because, you know, there aren't a lot of resources that each individual post. And so I think with that model, we're going to be successful in, in really, you know, improving the game uh, you know, that we've been playing. And I think we're going to get a lot more effective outcomes that way. Sounds like you've got you really laid the groundwork out to, to really start to accelerate on a lot of these capabilities, which is uh, fantastic to hear that. And I'm sure the uh, the citizenry and the uh, diplomatic corps, et cetera, are going to uh, love to to get uh, a hold of those new capabilities. Matt, how about at Palo Alto Networks? Can you give us a uh, uh, you know what's the top priority out there? Absolutely. You know, I mentioned before our, you know, our Prisma Cloud platform is currently uh, FedRAMP moderate. And, you know, we work with a lot of agencies, but, you know, what we're hearing is, is, hey, you know, we need, we, we, we want to use it, but we need to be higher, right? So that's why I said we're, we're moving towards high right now. And then from yeah. our, for our partners within DOD, uh, we're moving towards a, an IL-4. So that's going to be a, a big focus for us is just getting the platform, uh, you know, the Prisma Cloud platform where it needs to be for our agency partners. Um, so that, that's, a, that's kind of a, I guess, more of a somewhat of an internal piece. But I think the other part of it, and Brian Merrick uh, mentioned this, is that, you know, we're with our Prisma Cloud platform, we are helping agencies already to not only secure their cloud infrastructures, but also their entire uh, development pipeline, right? So DevSecOps, some people call it Sec DevOps. Uh, this is why we made a recent acquisition of a company called BridgeCrew. And, you know, agencies can go out today and download BridgeCrew for free. It's open source tools, bridgecrew.io. But this is a huge theme uh, for us as we help agencies leverage cloud, but also as they, they're really struggling with that massive talent gap, right? The resources that know cloud and DevSecOps really well, there's not mm -hmm. a lot of them. And because of that, they are really, really expensive. So one of the things that, that we're really focused on and we've been focused on is helping agencies to leverage all of those amazing capabilities that exist in the cloud, but be able to do it in a way where you don't have to go out and hire, you know, N number of different specialists. You can mm -hmm. use the Prisma Cloud Platform to have a single place where you can manage all of those security policies, both for the cloud infrastructure, as well as the software development pipeline. So those right. are just some areas that we're really focused on uh, as we look at the, the next 12 months. Sure, and every uh, every uh, organization wants to certainly focus more of their time on the mission, less on the pliers and wires. Brian, how about uh, at uh, the FedRAMP office, what's the top couple of priorities for you this year? You got a lot of stuff in the hopper right now. Right, so you know we're, we're continually focused on our, and making sure that the federal government has uh, commercial secure commercial cloud services to use um, you know that is that is our day-to-day -day. Um, you know also working to uh, find ways to <clears throat> as cloud service providers develop technology and as agencies adopt uh, being being in the middle of that being at the nexus of that is you know, is a challenge for us to make sure that we can keep up with the, uh, with making sure that's secure. Um, and so in addition to that, it's, you know, the priorities of automating and, and getting us onto Rev5 or, or what we're thinking about. Sure. Uh, it sounds like you're laser focused on those uh, specific priorities, and that certainly makes a lot of sense that you need to be able to do that. So I'm happy to hear that. All right, we're going to take another short break, and we're going to be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. Okta, helping protect your agency's remote workforce and ensuring government employees, contractors, and partners have simple and secure access to mission-critical applications from any device at any time. Okta allows you to create granular access policies based on user, device, network, and location context, as well as implement strong multi-factor authentication across all apps and VPNs. Learn more at okta.com slash government. Snowflake is the FedRAMP-approved data cloud. 
Federal agencies require agility and the ability to securely share data within and among organizations and across multiple clouds. With Snowflake, agencies can focus on putting data to use with unlimited scale and speed on the centralized data platform that satisfies the strictest compliance and security requirements. Start your journey toward data-driven decision-making at snowflake.com government. That's snowflake.com government. According to the latest cloud threat research from Palo Alto Networks, government cloud workloads grew by over 83% during the pandemic. This growth has accelerated AWS and Azure adoption, and federal agencies are challenged by a lack of visibility to cloud resources, cybersecurity compliance, and a federal IT talent shortage. Join us as Matt Chioti from Prisma Cloud by Palo Alto Networks talks to federal leaders about best practices to accelerate application modernization and secure cloud resources. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We're talking about secure cloud computing, and we were just getting into priorities. Brian, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about your number one priority over there at Okta for the next year. Yeah, thanks, Luke. Uh, yeah, really, when you boil it down, our number one priority is continuing to push our solution into these uh, higher assurance accreditations, uh, such as IL-4 and, and FedRAMP High. Right. We, as uh, Matt was mentioning earlier, uh, you know, we have a lot of customers that uh, that want to bring you know our best of class user experience and, and modern authentication into their environments, where where they just require a higher level of security. You know, it's a critical critical aspect for us to be able to deliver on that this year. So, very important uh, aspect of the entire ecosystem is to be able to uh, to manage that correctly. Dave, how about at USDA? Uh, give us uh, your top top a couple of priorities. You got a lot of stuff in the hopper there. Uh, what's your what's your one, two, and three? Our top priorities are really just to build on build on the success that we've had. We need to scale better. Uh, you know, I think that you and when you kicked off the show, you talked about Cloud Smart and the move to Cloud Smart. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a federated entity, and so uh, as the DISC organization. I partner with the missionaries. I partner with my internal peers at CISO and CDO and CTO. Um, we've proven that cloud has, has business enablers, um, has operational enablers and can be done secure. Um, as we continue up that growth scale, we're out of introduction. We need to just, our big number one priority is just to continue to scale better. Uh, so we continue to gain, the, gain those efficiencies and we continue to improve performance uh, in a business-driven manner for the mission areas, and most importantly, for the, for the tax-paying citizens of this country that rely on the agricultural and food supply chain. Sure. Um, a lot of priorities and uh, very important. And again, I don't think a lot of people realize how massive USDA is uh, across the uh, spectrum. So um, uh, that's fantastic to hear that. Ryan, how about at Snowflake? Top priority for you all for this year. Yeah, thanks, Luke. So top priority, I think when we talk about the shared responsibility model, if you look at the service side of the house, it's really Snowflake is FedRAMP moderate, but working towards much like the other vendors from an Okta or Palo Alto Networks perspective, Snowflake working towards FedRAMP high, largely due to customer demand, uh, as well as things like ITAR and IL-4. So that's the the service side of, of the software as a service aspect. And then I think on the software side as a security architect, I look at things that I've mentioned, but rolling out things like row access policies, uh, access history for fine grain audit around what people are accessing from a sensitive data perspective, as well as classification and uh, anonymization type capabilities, features baked into the product. Fantastic. Dave, uh, we're going to pivot over to lessons learned. Give us your top lessons learned. You've been at it for a while over there. Uh, for our listening audience, for those that uh, are you know on this journey, number one yep. lesson learned. Number one lesson learned is cloud adoption is has is a lot to do with change management. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you know it it's not just about the proce- uh, processor and compute. It's not just about storage. It's not just about bandwidth. You know when you're going to a cloud, it's a business enab- enabling uh, transformation. So you've got to think about the process end to end. Historically, when we were hosting apps, we when we were hosting data, um, our team would cover everything in terms of firewall changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would know it in the data center if the, if the, if the application or business owner didn't, didn't know it, we would, we would catch it and we would either perform the update or we'd pass it, work with the CISO to pass it. Now that the application, uh, uh, the business owner is the application owner, 
with a lot of cloud. Um, you know, things like the change management, uh, whether it's whether it's security, whether it's operations, uh, need to be fully considered. So there's no surprises on the bill, no surprises with firewall configs. Um, and so that's part of that scale opportunity and as, as a priority is uh, mastering some of the processes, overcoming those challenges. Uh, but it's really an opportunity. Uh, we recognize that you know there's no going back. Uh, there's this is an enabling transformational opportunity. Sure. Uh, and so we're working. We're partnering every day. I talk to the CISO every day. Uh, I talk to my partners in the mission areas every day. And uh, process is very important to uh, yep. to the overall success of the journey. Brian, yep. top lesson learned over there at Department of State. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to echo uh, David's comments. I mean. It is organizational and cultural change management. Uh, mm. Anyone who looks at it as a simple tech refresh will probably not meet their objectives. Uh, I, I tell you, we've got very few examples of folks that just lifted and shifted an existing uh, application. It really, it's a chance to reboot the way the business works um, to provide better mission outcomes, and the business gets that. And the art of the possible that's come about in the last few years as tools have improved are just phenomenal. So people are seeing that. The second piece with that is that you've got to have interesting projects to attract top talent and keep them. You know, these days it's a war for talent mm -hmm. and you've got to have exciting, meaningful, mission-oriented work and you've got to make allowances for how people work remotely and, and how they work in a modern context. Uh, and then lastly, I'd say, you know, I, I've seen this happen before, but, but look at it as change, right? So don't pick the low-hanging fruit. It takes the same amount of energy to bend over and pick it up. You might as well reach for something that matters, that has a huge mission impact, even if you only incrementally uh, improve that process or that outcome, you're going to get more funding, more support, more buy-in, and more attention by doing that uh, than going for you know something easy. Good analogy on the bending over, and interesting uh, on the uh, the recruitment aspect of it. That's a good catch there. I'm sure everyone's having that challenge. Mm -hmm. Brian, uh, top lessons learned as you've gone on this journey. So for, for FedRAMP, it's, it's continued collaboration and partnership with uh, federal agencies and, and industry, okay? Being transparent and having strong working relationships uh, with industry and the federal community is how we improve the cloud service, okay? Uh, we recognize at FedRAMP that the, the, our cloud service providers and the third-party assessors are really deep in talent. And, and we've actually, you know, through our collaborative efforts, we've reached out to our stakeholders to help us formulate guidance and, and policy documents that, that directly affect our stakeholder community. Um, it, and it's, it's that continued relationship building to learn what, what uh, industry is doing with regards to technology and to learn what agencies are doing to adopt it. Um, that, that's what, uh, that's where FedRAMP uh, should be and what we need to be doing is having that collaborative relationship to understand what's happening happening across the spectrum. Keep it, keep a pulse on it and adapt and overcome. Okay, well, we're going to have to wrap it up here. We want to ask everyone to close out with some comments regarding uh, what does it look like uh, down the road, around the corner, over the horizon, if you will. Brian Dak, we're going to start with you at ACTA. Give us a, 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 you know, a, a little visibility into what it's going to look like over the horizon. Yeah, thanks, Luke. Uh, you know, really, when you're looking at out uh, three to five years, you know, Okta's vision of the future is really establishing or continuing to establish identity as a primary cloud, right? Meaning, just as you think of, you know, infrastructure as a cloud platform or collaboration as kind of those primary clouds that are that that uh, government agencies are really moving their workloads and, and using um, using to perform their agency missions, you know, you know. Identity becoming that primary cloud is critical. Uh, you know, I think to a certain degree we're getting there, uh, but we're gonna. You know, we see even a greater need. Uh, you know, for this identity cloud that can that can meet. You know, all the needs. Uh, you know, identity needs of a customer, whether that's providing secure access to you know business applications for their employees. Uh, you know, and contractors, or or in, which allows them to kind of manage the business of of and, and achieve their missions, uh, to enabling secure and modern experiences for the citizens that they serve, right? And, and having identity as a primary cloud is is going to allow us to you know meet that multitude of use cases uh, that our customers have that will I, I think really improve 
the way the government works as it enables it to be more agile, be able to move quicker. They won't have to deal with, you know, kind of install, operate, upgrade of this, this infrastructure, you know, sure. on-premise stuff that hinders that, that ability to meet their, you know, meet the needs of their internal and external customers. Right. Identity cloud, looking forward to it. Uh, interesting. Matt, how about over at Palo Alto Networks? Uh, what, what, what's it going to look like in a couple of years? What can we expect? Yeah, I love that question. Um, you know, putting on my, looking at my crystal ball, putting on my prognostication hat, I think that, you know, I love to go back to what we know and what we've seen. So I know based upon our, our cloud threat research, we know that while it's, it's easy for any organizations, as I mentioned before, we saw that agencies scaled their cloud usage by over 83%. Um, we know that they're really struggling in terms of getting automation from a security perspective in, in place across multi-cloud environments and also across their develop, software development pipeline. So, you know, for me, I think the, the challenge is, is clear is that, you know, automation, it's no longer optional uh, for keeping uh, agencies safe. And, you know, having a, a single platform where you can do that across multiple clouds, I think is a, a massive benefit. Probably the best analogy there is if you think of you know, a Tesla vehicle, they've got the autopilot feature. If you're driving down the highway, drop your phone, you go to, you reach over and grab it. Normally in a, a normal car, you'd veer over, you might hit a car next to you. But with the autopilot feature, it will automatically put you back into your lane. So I think that's probably the best way to think about where I see things going and what really agencies need to do uh, over the next, uh, over the next probably one to three years to make sure that as they scale their cloud workloads, they're doing it in a safe, secure, and compliant way. No doubt have to bring automation into that environment to secure what's gonna be in place in two years and then secure what's gonna be in place or will be in place beyond that as well. Snowflake, Ryan, uh, give us a, a picture, you know, what does that demand signal look like out there for the next couple of years for you all? Uh, hopefully frosty, right? This is the demand signal for, for Snowflake. Oh. oh. <laughs> I had to, you know, insert, insert bad dad joke here, right? As my three kids would tell me. Um, but I, I think it's really evolving the data cloud uh, with Snowflake technology as the underlying platform. Um, and I think a lot of the lessons learned and even something I can appreciate as a, you know, as a young intelligence officer in a, in a former life, right, is, is the single source of truth um, from a data perspective. This comes from a lot of lessons learned with customers, right? Well, we have a source of truth, but it's not your truth if it's, you know, if you're if you're not sharing data um, securely uh, and in near real time, right? So, data sharing and data cloud enable our customers to go right to the creators of data and the experts who know that data the best, right? The analogy, uh, you know, I think is is that's relevant is you know you don't you don't go to NOAA for weather data, um, you know, or you do go to NOAA for weather data, right? You don't don't install a wind sensor on your own roof, right? Um, and so, I think that's where we see us going is these architectures from a data cloud perspective with our federal customers or uh, even even commercial customers com customers is um, is using our marketplace, our private exchanges and data sharing capabilities to build their own data clouds, right? And kind of this one-to-one -one architecture, one-to-many, or uh, in a consumption style architecture where folks, interested parties can go in and consume that single source of truth of data. Um, and then combine that with their own data sets as well, right? With, uh, with the ability now to make better decisions. And of course, doing that all securely is something that's near and dear to my heart, um, you know, from a, from a security perspective. Uh, but really, I think the actualization of the data cloud is where we see our customers moving uh, and, and building those secure architectures uh, in those different relationships that I described. Absolutely. Uh, the, the ability to provide data in the way that they need it, when they need it, to make informed and secure and confident decisions on that data is going to be so important. Already is, and, and as we collect more of it, uh, certainly will become even more relevant. Brian, how about over at FedRAMP? Uh, if I'm a, a new product company trying to come in and get FedRAMP uh, certified, et cetera, you know, what's that going to look like in a couple of years? What am I going to experience at that point? No, that's a great question. We've heard a lot uh, from my colleagues on the panel about automation. So uh, at, at FedRAMP, I mentioned the, you know, the uh, initiatives that we have going on. Those are the, just the tip of the iceberg for us. Aspirationally, you know, we want to incorporate automation into the end-to-end -end authorization process. Um, we, we feel that, uh, you know, we can get there. Um, 
don't press me on a timeline on that um, because sure. we're we're stepping into this field, um, you know, with what we have. And again, you know, we're just scratching the tip, uh, scratching the tip of the iceberg with regards to you know what's what's in the realm of the possible uh, with regards to automating packages and 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 again, aspirationally having automation from from end to end in the authorization process. From tip to tip, uh, during the entry all the way through, and then sort of back out again, right? You want an end-to-end automation experience there to, uh, one, I would imagine it would, would uh, increase the accuracy, but two, certainly I would expect it to shrink the timeline to some degree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, creating efficiencies where we can, um, you know, getting getting secure cloud services to the to the federal customers faster um that's a win across the board um not just for the cloud provider but for the agencies as well um and you know just uh, the the advantages all around are, are remarkable fantastic brian merrick department of state uh paint a picture of the future you all have a lot of moving parts going on right now it sounds like you're pulling a lot of stuff together uh, raising the bar as far as your uh, DevSecOps capability. Let's fast forward a couple of years, two or three years. What, what, what's your sort of uh, marker out there for success? What are, what are you shooting for over the next couple of years? What can I expect if I'm a new freshly minted foreign service officer uh, getting ready to go out into the field? What can I expect? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. I think what we're going to see is a lot more uh, breaking down those silos and, and building a lot more internal efficiencies to share data, really democratizing that data uh, within the department and with our partners. Uh, and really, that's going to fuel a lot better business outcomes because it, it is a very siloed organization. And, and part of that, to be fair, um, kind of goes in line with the challenges in overseas connectivity backbones and whatnot. So we still have to be able to get to the cloud to use it. Uh, so as those improvements continue uh, to move forward around the world, that that singular dispersion of cloud capabilities is just going to improve and enhance. And I think we're going to see at the end of the day, uh, our diplomats overseas in a, in a better position with real time data at their fingertips, no matter where they are, to be able to do their mission and uh, respond to the nation's needs in a way that just wasn't possible in a non automated analog environment. And uh, we're really looking forward to, to continuing uh, moving in that direction. But so far, I, I think we, we've got the right, the, the right groundwork laid uh, and we're definitely moving in the right direction and that's gonna accelerate rapidly. Take advantage of these capabilities, you're right. And if you just look at the, the space race and the low earth orbit, you know, sort of satellite constellation uh, capabilities that are getting rolled out there. I'd imagine two or three years, the uh, connectivity to remote locations is gonna be less and less of an issue, at least we hope, right? That'll be fantastic. Dave, how about over at USDA? Uh, what can we expect uh, over the next three years, if I'm a, a farmer out there trying to, uh, you know, seek a benefit, get a loan, et cetera, what am I going to expect? What, what, are you, what are you thinking about in regards to new capabilities or where do you think you will be on your maturity journey? So I think you're going to see better service. You're going to see better response time. And I'd really like to build off some of the comments that Brian made at State and some of the industry peers. I think they gave some great analogies. And the commonality of all those analogies is, it's impact oriented. Um, and how that applies to USDA is if you do a farm loan, you'll get a response time, you'll get immediate feedback. If you do crop insurance, you'll know that you'll get better processing time, you'll get confirmation of receipt. Uh, it'll be easier to use because of the, the interfaces, uh, there'll be more options to use. So what, what's happening is we're evolving more from an infrastructure to a service-based approach. In fact, I think in three to five years, you won't even hear the term IT infrastructure. It'll all be service-based. Mm. Um, and the KPIs will reflect that as well. We're not going to talk about server uptime, whether it's in, in, in my data center or whether it's in uh, AWS as a virtual machine. We're going to talk about response time. We're going to talk about processing time specific to the application, specific to the business process of serving that farmer, of serving that citizen taxpayer. And it's going to be a better world. It's better government. Fantastic. And that sounds very promising. I, I want to thank all of you uh, uh, for taking some time out of your busy schedules and, uh, and fighting the good fight on behalf of the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, all the citizens across the, the, the country and across the globe. I'd like to thank the uh, sponsors here for supporting our show. I'd like to thank the good people here at Federal News Network that make our program so enjoyable and successful 
And most of all, I'd like to thank you, the listening audience out there that tune in every month. You've been listening to the Federal Executive Forum, part of the Federal News Network. Thank you for listening to the Federal Executive Forum series on Federal News Network. This show was produced by Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of this show, you can listen to the show in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com.